Let us pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. If you're standing, you may be seated. Hey, before I get into the message, I just want to um, take a moment to say thank you. Um, we've been doing this, what, almost five months? Is it that long? Four months? I'm, I'm Six? A long time. <laughs> and uh, I've watched online too, and it's hard. Um, but I'm grateful to everyone who's stuck with it, and you're committed to, to do the best you can to gather this way. So thank you. And um, we're working hard to, uh, to, to serve you. So I hope the Lord will use this in your life. Well, in today's readings, there are two stories about drowning. And the first story's in the, the book of Jonah. And you just heard it read, Jonah. It's in the middle of the story of Jonah. And you probably know the basic story. God tells Jonah to go to the city of Nineveh. It's the capital of the Assyrian Empire. And they do not worship God. And they're they are bad people. That's their rep in the ancient world. And Jonah doesn't like them. And Jonah doesn't want to go there. And so he goes the opposite direction and runs away from the will of God. And a storm comes up, and he's on a ship with a group of men who are not followers of the God of Israel. And they, through their discernment, figure out that he's the problem. So he says, throw me overboard. He'd rather drown than go to Nineveh. But he ends up having second thoughts when he's down in the water. And God sends a fish that swallows him up, and he cries out to God. And that's what chapter 2 is. It's his prayer of crying out to God. And Jonah cries out to God, and God, and I'll say it differently in text, has the fish deliver him to the shore, and he rescues him. So here's Jonah. He's running away from God. He's hoping to drown. God sends a fish, and God uses the fish to save Jonah. Now, there's an interesting cluster of details in this prayer that if you read closely, you can notice, and it makes this story even more powerful. See, Jonah cries out to God, cries out for God to save him, and then he begins to celebrate his commitment as a faithful Israelite, and he talks about going to Jerusalem to worship in the temple and make an offering to God. And it sounds really awesome, except there's one problem. That's not where God wants him to go. God wants him to go to Nineveh. So Jonah's crying out to God, and there's some repentance in here, but he hasn't come full circle. He hasn't made a commitment to do what God says yet. He's sort of one-fourth or one-half of the way repentant. When I, I preached on this text early in January at St. At Patrick's, and you might remember that the title of the sermon was 
With God, bad repentance is good repentance. And the point was, God is so merciful, God is so gracious, he's so humble, that he'll take a repentance that's still selfish, still wrapped up in Jonah's own commitments and desires, but there's a little bit of a turn, and God can take that and rescue Jonah. And that's what he does. So Jonah's in the ocean, Jonah's drowning, God sends a fish, God saves him, and he saves him by drawing him into repentance for disobeying God. But even Jonah's repentance isn't very good, but God still reaches out and saves him. That's story number one. Story number two is the story we just heard read about Peter in the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus comes out, he's, he's been praying, and so he's late to the boat ride, and so he decides just to walk across the water. Peter sees him and says, hey, call me out to you. I'd like to try this out. And, um, you know, Peter's probably the, the, the adrenaline junkie of the disciples. You know, I think if, if the disciples are 21st century folks, he'd be like, Jesus, we need to organize a disciple, 12 disciple bungee jumping trip. Come on. That would be Peter. He's always good to go. He's always there for the action. But you heard the story. He looks at Jesus and then he, he really notices what's going on around him and he is scared. And don't be very judgmental. You would be scared too. I would be scared. Who wouldn't be scared? People don't walk on water, but he's walking. The minute he takes his eyes off Jesus, he sinks. It's a crisis moment. He is facing death in just a matter of moments. And he cries out to Jesus, and a Jesus without hesitation reaches out his hand. Peter grips his hand, and Peter's saved. And of course, the winds don't immediately die down. So even though he's saved, they still have to walk through the stormy water. But, but Jesus is so powerful that once they get in the boat, the storm even calms. So Jonah's drowning, and he's rescued because he needs to repent, and God meets him where he's at and reaches out his hand and saves him. Jesus allows Peter to come out in the water, and Jesus just, or Peter, faces a crisis of his own faith and a crisis of drowning, and Jesus unhesitatingly holds his hand out. Peter grips it, he's saved. It's, it's, it's interesting, you know, the place where Jesus says, oh, you have little faith, there, there's a debate about how to interpret that. You probably, like me, mostly hear that as, oh, Peter, you couldn't trust me and stay in the water. But some people read that as, Peter, why would you even doubt that I wouldn't reach out and save you? Where's your faith? What kind of God do you think I am? And maybe both are true. Maybe both those readings capture the heart of Jesus, that it was foolish for Peter to not believe Jesus could save him or would save him, both. Then we have this other reading. It's not about drowning, and it's, it's pretty kind of zoomed up, more of a 30,000-foot level look at God's purposes, where Paul writes about his heart for his people. And it's the beginning of three chapters in the book of Romans, where Paul seeks to answer a question. So for the first eight chapters, he's explaining how there's this new thing God's doing. It's called the church. And there are Jewish believers, and there are Gentile believers. But then he asks the question, but what about Israel? All the promises God made, are those done? And if they are, what does that say about God? And so he takes chapter 9, chapter 10, and chapter 11 
to unfold that. And, and the conclusion is, God is a God who is faithful, who is trustworthy, because he will keep his promises. So there's true drowning stories, and then this little place where Paul talks about his heart for his people. And it's a, it's a portal into a longer section that tells us God is a God who keeps his promises. Here's the point. Here's the point. Jesus always has his hand out. Jesus always has his hand out. I don't have to convince him to have his hand out. I don't have to beg him to put his hand out. Jesus always has his hand out. And our job is to either grip his hand or not grip his hand. But he always has his hand out. I think of a, a text in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 where Paul's reflecting on the Old Testament. He says, listen, all the promises of God that have been revealed in Scripture find their yes in Jesus Christ. Every promise finds their fulfillment and finds their yes in Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is the yes of God. And Jesus is always God's yes for us. The no is always on our side. It's, it's often said that the doorway to hell is locked from the inside. I think it's absolutely true. Jesus always says yes. Jesus always has his hand out. We have to decide whether we're going to grip it or not. And the grip is the grip of faith and trust. For Jonah, it was faith and trust that God would forgive him and restore him. For Peter, it was faith and trust that Jesus would meet him in the crisis and pull him out of the drowning waters. And for Paul, it's faith and trust that in the long haul, way down the road in history where he couldn't see and we can't see, he trusted that God would keep his promises. And in all those realities, all those levels, Jesus always has his hand out. And so the truth is Jesus always has his hand out to me and Jesus always has his hand out to you. Always. Always. The question then becomes, will we grip his hand or not? His hand is always out. Will we grip his hand or not? Maybe you're like Jonah. Maybe you can hear the Holy Spirit now just speaking to you. And, and Jesus is he's reaching his hand out to you. And you know you need to grip it in the space of repentance. Maybe there's a besetting sin in your life, something you're ashamed of and you want to see broken. And you're not even sure if you can make a promise to God to really give it up. But what the story Jonah says is, do whatever you can and move toward Jesus and take hold of his hand. Because so often in the Christian life, the way repentance works, it's not a one-off deal. It's an area where I come back over and over and over and over. And like a drop of water on a rock slowly eroding a trough, that sin gets eroded out of my life. But it happens because I know Jesus always has his hand out in forgiveness. And I can always be like Jonah and take the grip of his hand in repentance. Even if, like Jonah, it's bad repentance. Bad repentance is good repentance with God. So even if you're not 100% there, do what you can, turn and take hold of Jesus. Because Jesus always has his hand out. Or maybe, maybe you're like Peter, 
And it's not a repentance issue, it's a crisis of life issue. And that can happen at so many levels. Of course, all of us, to a certain degree, are living with the crisis of COVID. And, and, and we experience it in different ways. There's, there's, there's that that's just constantly in front of us. But then we all have personal crises. We have crises in our family. You know, we, we, maybe you're a parent and you have children who aren't following Jesus. That's, that's a heartbreaking crisis. And, and you need Jesus to act. Or, or, or maybe you're facing a health crisis in your own life. Whatever it is, there are times for all of us when it feels like we're trying to walk on water and keep our eyes on Jesus, but we find ourselves sinking. But Jesus always has his hand out. Jesus always has his hand out. And actually, it's probably not even right to say that we need to grip grip his hand. We just need to cry out and he'll grab us. That's probably the better picture. But through that, we grip his hand and we can trust him to deliver us. Now, it's important to say this about deliverance. There, there's, there's two ways to get delivered from something in the kingdom of God, or two ways to experience deliverance. One is delivered from, and the other is delivered through. It's always critical to remember that. Sometimes we're in crisis, and we cry out to God, and God delivers us from. Maybe we have a health crisis The prayer team at church prays, and there's just a miraculous deliverance. Sometimes God, in a wisdom we can't understand, allows that to stay, and he delivers us through. And even if the end point is our own mortality, we end up with Jesus. So we're delivered. We're either delivered from or delivered through. But the common denominator for both of those is Jesus always has his hand out, and our job is to grip his hand and hang on to him. And he will be our deliverance through crisis. Is that what you need today? Are you in the Peter place, the Peter space, where you need Jesus' hand to grip you and see you through a crisis? Or or maybe you're like Paul. You need to grip Jesus' hand for that long view. You know, it's for some folks, it's easier to trust God for the temporal things, but it's the long-term things that are hard. Some people find it easy to trust God for eternal life, but can't trust God with their finances. It's just everyone's different. But maybe for you, it's the world just weighs your heart down. There's death, and there's sickness, cruelty, and evil, and injustice. And the years have gone by, and it's just hard, and it gets old. And you cry out with the psalmist, How long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? And what this passage from St. Paul points us to is that Jesus doesn't cease to have his hand out in the midst of that. He is at work. He is delivering the world from his enemies. And one day, one day he will return. He will set up his kingdom. And we will live in eternity in his kingdom, which is the beautiful world that he dreams of and we dream of. But you got to hang on to Jesus sometimes to keep believing that. But you got to keep believing that. And in fact, all three of those kind of approaches hang together, don't they? There's times for all of us when we have to be like Jonah. And it's like, you know, I'm wrong, God. Lord, I just need to repent. And we just turn back to him. There's times when we're all like Peter and there's just a crisis and we have a choice whether or not to grab 
grip Jesus' hand or not, but Jesus always has his hand out for us. And there are times when we just need to remember that our God is big and our God is good and he's made promises. And though we don't see them, by faith we believe he will bring them to pass. No matter what situation, the common truth is this, that the Father loves us. Jesus has given all for us. The Spirit is present. And no matter what your situation, Jesus always has his hand out. Amen.